If this is your first time joining us, welcome. My name is Luke, and I am excited to continue this season, Institutional Exodus. Uh, today we have my friend Sherry on. She is a blogger. Her blog is called Not Your White Jesus, and it's shared by Huffington Post, Patheos. It's a really, really good blog. I highly recommend you check it out. It has really helped me out in a lot of ways. And I'm excited to say that she is now an author. So she's going to be having a book come out. So you're going to want to give her a follow and read all about what she is doing. I'm excited to share with you today the conversation we have uh, because I think it's going to be really helpful for the topic of institutional exodus. It's an honest look of where we're at and what we can do to continue to move forward here as the Western American church. Um, so once again, this series is called Institutional Exodus, and what this series is about is recognizing some of the things that we continue to deal with in the Western church and how we can move forward. I've had people reach out to me on good and bad terms, saying about how the podcast has really helped them so far, how they're so glad that people are having these conversations. On the flip side, people have questioned, you know, if I'm even a Christian anymore and things of that nature. Yes, I do consider myself a Jesus follower. I think that I can help in continuing uh, the progression forward and the divine connecting with people. Um, and that is the church. And I think this conversation today is going to really lend itself to that. Uh, so once again, we are also on social media. So we are on Facebook and Instagram. That's Spiritual Nomad Podcast. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritual nomad. You can join the Nomadic Alliance for just $7 a month. And you're like, what do I get out of that? Well, we're working on that. But if you believe in me, Luke Bricker, if you believe in the reformation of the 21st century, then uh, I encourage you to jump in and get involved with what we're doing. Uh, so anyways, here's my conversation with my friend Sherry. We're rolling, we're in, and maybe I'm hoping we can get to know each other a little bit and record, and it's just going to be a good time. So uh, welcome to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. Thank you. So tell me a little bit, uh, first and foremost, about what it is you and your husband do. Uh, so you sent me a message on Facebook, and just elaborate a little bit about what it is that you guys are involved with and you know, yeah. uh, what you're bringing awareness about with that. Absolutely. So my husband and I run a nonprofit called The Nations. Um, what we do is kind of twofold. Um, domestically, we work with refugees um, from the Middle East and North Africa and connect them with people, American background people, to help kind of be welcomed into the country and meet any needs that they have here. And we also take teams overseas to the Syrian border, basically uh, serve, love, and learn. And that's our main agenda over there is to expose what's going on over there, to see the truth, and hopefully people come back and have a totally different perception. For so that's sure. Readers <laughs> so when, when did this start? Like what was the origins of deciding that you guys wanted to start this organization? So my yeah, my husband actually started it before I met him. Um, we've only been married a year, so we're like a blended family. But he he started after he had an encounter in Mexico with a little girl that was put in his arms, and he just had this overwhelming sense of he wanted to love people. 
Yeah. And so he, when he came back to Iowa, he um, got in contact with Carl Medeiros and saw one of his talks and he invited him to the Middle East. So he went over to the Middle East and basically when he came back, he started meeting refugees that were just so amazing and so kind. And so that's kind of how it got started. He started building friendships and developed it into an organization so that more we have more networks of friendships. For sure. And I think maybe a mutual fan, friend might be Rick Love. Do you know Rick Love at all? No, I do. Yeah, he actually is. Yeah, I do. I know him very well. Cool. So when, immediately whenever I think of stuff in that area of the world, he's the first guy that I think of. So well, he actually yeah. moved about almost a year ago to Oceanside, which is near me out here. And through some friends, we ended up helping them unload and get moved into their house out here. So I didn't really know him that much. My dad's known mm-hmm. him because they're part of the vineyard movement stuff, which I'm curious to ask you about if you have any connection to that at all. So, uh, <laughs> but I've only heard of him. And so I started looking up his work and I was really, really excited about just some of the stuff that they do. And so just real quick on that. So tell me about what some of the stuff you guys do then like stateside over here. So you're in Iowa, right? Yeah, we're in Iowa. So um, what we do is we connect people to build friendships with refugees that are here anywhere in the U.S. We can do it. We do it all over the place. Um, people that say, I want to do something. I want to, you know, be real and just build a friendship. So we do a lot of, it's kind of similar to Peace Palace in that we do a lot of meals and tea and um basically just build a community. I mean, we're just pretty much hanging out with friends. Like we get friends together and hang out and really cool stuff happens. Yeah. That seems to be the thing. I mean, yeah. like even me, like being a you know church planter and especially in the really bizarre church planting culture that's out there right now. Uh, it's like everybody wants these huge plans and it turns into more of like this entrepreneurial thing and where it's like, I think we're supposed to just hang out and genuinely love each other for a little bit, (laughs) you know? And so that's what you guys seem to be doing with kind of a marginalized culture. Yeah, that's kind of the goal. Yeah, definitely. So cool. So the connection there, and then so I'm kind of like going down the loophole here of like how we probably maybe have some similarities when it comes to uh, church and things of that nature. So do you have any like... um, connection with the vineyard at all good or bad <laughs> I have a lot of connection with the vineyard um my stepdad is a vineyard pastor in texas um my mom started going to the vineyard when i was 11 so i did some of the youth group in middle school and then i moved to canada wasn't part of it um so i'm very familiar with the vineyard um i love a lot of the things that the vineyard is doing um my stepdad's wonderful um, so I have a lot of positive experiences with the vineyard, although church in general, I have some apprehension about, so. Which you can be super candid about. So, uh, and that's yeah. really, um, what I want to talk about, like the real premise. Uh, and I just want to bring a little bit of context to it. And so I just went to the vineyard national conference in Anaheim, which I probably, your stepdad maybe was there. I don't know if he was there or not, but, um, we probably brushed shoulders, but it, I feel the same way. It's like there's things I've grown up in the vineyard. My dad's been a vineyard pastor since like 82 or something. I was born and raised in the vineyard movement, but a little different flavor, I think. 
Uh, so yeah. I certainly have my ups and downs with it too. Even being at the conference, there were some things that I was like, you know, I don't know if it, like I, my, my main question is, is this still my tribe? I don't know if that's even a good thing to say or not, but honestly, like all the questions I had in the lobby or the conversations and the, the things that we were talking about and the questions about, you know, what we were interpreting from the conference made me realize like, this is a really safe place to, you know, express doubt, which I've not experienced in a lot of other circles that I've hung out with. So, so with that, you know, the whole institutional exodus thing, that's this series that we're doing right now. And I'm just curious kind of where that began to shift for you a little bit. Yeah, kind of my whole life, I've been kind of um, skeptical of church. I think that I never really felt like I fit in. It didn't really feel, I felt like it was just fake often. Um, when I was a little kid, I like accepted Jesus in my heart. I basically like yelled at him to get into my heart so that I didn't go to hell because <laughs> that's the perception I had at church. <laughs> but um so I went to the vineyard some when I was in middle school and I had a good experience, but it was just like shallow, nothing crazy. Um, and I, during high school, I was incredibly rebellious and crazy. And then when I kind of started college, I settled down. And in that time I was like a super, I would say a super fiery, like liberal. Um, I was in the Middle East and I like fell in love with Palestine. So I was really passionate about, I still am, but I was passionate about the Palestinian, the Palestinian Israeli conflict. Um, and I kind of had the perception that every Christian in the world, like is pro Israel. Every Christian in the world is supporting the oppression. So I was pretty angry at the time, just in general with the church. Um, so when that changed actually was when my stepdad, my mom got married. Um, my stepdad introduced me to Rick Love. Um, who invited me to a conference they were holding that weekend. So I was ready to go to the conference, super, like, just angry, because I was like, okay, I'm going to go there, and if they say anything, I'm totally going to call them out, and I was so skeptical. And then when I got there, it was just a group of people talking about loving people, like, with no agenda. It wasn't like a conversion party. It was just talking about being friends. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is completely different. Yeah. So at that conference, I... Uh, was invited to Palestine. So I went on a trip to Palestine and there is where I kind of had a really more like a connection with Jesus. It was like more profound moment and that just changed my life, the entire course of my life. So, so what, so what was Christ- some of that? What was some of that experience that began to shape you there? I think it was a lot to do with just the group I was with. Um, they were just such awesome people um, and the people we met over there that were just so loving and kind, kind of just my heart just like melted, I guess. Um, and it was overwhelming, but at the same time, it was just, it was kind of, I don't know, it was was challenging me and my beliefs about like Christians or Jesus or whatever. Um, but what really changed was when we went to the sea of Galilee and I was sitting on the, on the edge of the water and I just like felt it was like Jesus is love. Like that's what Jesus is. It was like, I mean, like we say that, but like it's the first time I really understood like what Jesus is. It's like Jesus isn't Christian. Jesus is love. So that kind of, it was just like a complete paradigm shift. And I'm not sure why it was that moment or why like that was such a big revelation, but it was just the I guess, realization that 
uh, yeah, Jesus is completely different than what I thought. And so contrast that a little bit with, you know, what you had understood before, because my, my paradigm right now is I think more people need to have that experience and actually be a practicality in their life. And I think what, where we're in right now is this bringing people to have your sort of Sea of Galilee experience. Yeah. And so in what ways do you think that that, you know, uh, contrasted from the way that you saw God prior to the way you see God now? And do you see similarities in, in yourself at all? Maybe, maybe not in kind of the way we see Christianity playing out right now in 2017. And I, I don't know, just some of those contrasts of the views of God and how that has expanded your mind for love. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of what kind of helped me see was the people I was just surrounded with that helped me see that people, there are some genuine loving Christians. Um, I think that as I, I came home and I kind of just started studying and reading and learning and figuring out Jesus, but I still saw in the church such a, I guess it was, I felt like it wasn't authentic. Like Jesus is a sacrificial love. And I didn't see that in the church. And I don't, I struggle to see that in the church, not everybody, but in kind of a broad sense. Um, so I feel like in, in America, especially we're more like, we're just too egocentric. Like we, we don't want to give things up to right. love others, but I feel like that's where we, like, that's the point. That's where life is. That's, you know, so I guess it's kind of moved me away from the like traditional church to like more of a, like community like Jesus did. So, so, and I've been seeing like so much of your posts and I freaking love it. So even like today I, I read like about the silent progressives. So yeah. like, I totally understand like what you're saying. And I felt super convicted about it because in, in, in a lot of ways, like you're right. Like the things that are more in the progressive movement are really trying to get back to the heart of like what the life of Jesus was. Like I, I was just having a conversation last night. So my wife and I, we sit on our back patio, like every night we live in an apartment complex with like you know, we're stacked like three stories high. We're just, you know, it's gnarly where there's people everywhere. And so this kid, he's been walking back and forth and we've got to know him just a little bit. His name's Ben. And he just walks by while my wife and I are completely like deconstructing, uh, like what the, what it means, what the gospel means, you know? And I just, he just said, Hey, what's up guys? What are you talking about? And I'm just like, well, if you really want to know, I'm sitting here just trying to figure out why we put everything on the cross whenever the gospel writers, if this is good news, why did they spend 25 chapters prior to that talking about kind of the the real everyday, what it was like to be with Jesus sort of thing. So it seems yeah. to me like good news looks more like the life of Jesus than this, you know, the, certainly the climax being that. I don't know. I feel like we've completely missed the whole body of the story. You know what I mean? I, absolutely. I that's I think that still blows my mind because you see the life of Jesus. It's pretty clear the way he lived life, the way he treated others, but it's just not a central focus at all. Right. And 
that's hard for me to even comprehend why he's not. I don't know. It's it, it's as if we've really like made Paul Jesus. Like mm, uh, yeah. Like we've yeah. we've we've taken his this this like early ecclesiology and have like completely defended this for like two thousand years and have neglected the reality of like the personhood of Jesus and the humanity of Jesus, you know? And yeah. I'm convicted by your blogs a lot. I'm just gonna be super transparent. So like I get really, really passionate about all of this because I really care about people. But I I do struggle with because I was a youth pastor and, you know, I've my dad's been a pastor my whole life. And so you can identify with some of that as well. And you're kind of brought up to like only say enough to kind of maybe shake things up a tad, but, you know, tie it up at the end. So it's nice. And your blog today was just like completely calling me out like since when do we have to be so nice to the people that are actually holding us back from the potential of what the reality of Christianity could be that's kind of what I was getting from it I don't know tell me tell me if I'm right or wrong or whatever Um, I've actually it kind of that blog came from some experience some experience I've been having with just being more vocal and having people say you know, you're being too harsh. No one's going to listen to you. Like you need to calm down. Like people, I love telling me that. So I started to question, like, should I not be doing this? Am I like being a jerk? I don't know. Like, but the more I read, the more I thought about Jesus. And I started reading a lot of like Martin Luther King. Um, I'm loving that King. by the way, your posts. My gosh. Like, that's good. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. He's, I mean, there's no other bigger peacemaker than Martin Luther King and Jesus, but Martin Luther King, you can't argue with that. And he was so vocal and he didn't, you know, he wasn't, he was super candid. So that's kind of where I said, screw it. Like I can't not be vocal. Like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm confident that I am. Sometimes it feels hard or, you know, I get like self-conscious of how people might perceive me or people I love might perceive me. But in the end, it's just useless fear. Like, it's time to be bold. Our country is a mess right now. Dude, I completely agree. And I feel fear sometimes, you know, because it's it's hard. Like when you're going up against the machine and, you know, that's kind of what I see the institutional church being is this machine much like what Jesus was up against and much like the reason they killed him, you know. Yeah, and it's absolutely. like. It's a difficult thing because you're you're right. I mean, the people you love most are telling you to to keep calm. But then once again, I read in the gospel, and Mary said the same thing to Jesus. You know, they're like, "Hey, your your mother and your brothers are here," and he's like, "Who are my mother and my brothers?" You know, and it's like, yeah, you read the gospels and you feel like you're in good company, but you post stuff, and it's like, man, like people don't seem to get it, or maybe they've not. I don't know. So there's definitely been some backlash on from some yeah. of that. And so, I mean, I think that's assumed. But have you seen more good come from some of that? Have you seen people kind of come out of the woodwork that you wouldn't have yeah. expected from this? Yeah, definitely. Um, when I started doing this um, or writing publicly, I it just kind of I started writing and it just exploded. Like so many people were connecting with that 
same concept. Like we don't see Jesus in the church, but Jesus is cool. Like in our world's a mess, but like things are different, but I don't know what to do. And I can't relate to anybody. My church doesn't like has totally different beliefs. I can't talk to them about it. So I've had tons of people that I think just connect with that same, that same issue. And so right now I feel like there's a big shift in our culture that there's a lot of people that want to follow Jesus, but want to cut the church out. And it's hard because especially if you've grown up in the church, that's like what you know, that's like your way of life. That's how you, you do your religion. So you're trying to find a different way to like express, you know, your love for God and by following Jesus. So it's a hard transition for anybody, but I feel like a lot of people right now are feeling that way. And I think we just all need to connect. Like I, I think that we need to find a way to connect with people that are doing the same thing um, and go from there and just love people. So what are you seeing mostly in the trend and most of the people that have been connecting with you through your work, which the name of your blog is so rad, not your white Jesus. Like that's the best name ever. But like, what are, what are some of the common trends that you're seeing this being like institutional exodus, like people leaving the church? It's, it's, really interesting to me like it's because i have this weird obsession actually with church but yet such an angst towards it as well and i live in a really really weird place and what what have you seen i mean i can certainly speak for myself but i'm curious from the people that you have came in contact with what has been some of the the trends that you've seen of, of why people are are out of here like why are they seeing the institution seeing you know the the big big business like church and being like uh like this is ridiculous like what have been some of those trends that you've seen i feel like for a long time a lot of people just put up with the hypocrisy they were seeing i think that the election had a lot to do with people i think that's definitely been the big thing this year and i see a lot of people struggling just with they don't they don't have anyone to like express that to or talk to about it. But yeah, yeah, I definitely that the election has a lot to do with it right now. And just younger people in general, like we don't want to go somewhere where they're spending a million dollars on a church building so that like a bunch of rich people can go sit there and listen to music and listen to preacher and then do nothing outside of church. Like I think that a lot of us, we want change. We want to do something. We want yeah. to be real. We're sick of the we're sick of the inauthenticity. Oh my gosh, Larry. <laughs> dude, <Right> totally, <laughs> absolutely. And that's kind of been my thing too. Is it, and I've questioned like, is it just my personality that doesn't like this? Like, is it just me? Like, you know, I I used to, I still do, but play drums in like a like an underground hardcore band. So it's like, is it just me? Like, in opposition to anything that's mainstream? You know, what is it? Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm in good company right now. We were going to a local church and we stopped because we were just like, I love the pastor and the people there, but the hype every weekend just, it doesn't seem sustainable to me. Like, right. so how do we embrace community, but kind of not live on the hype to keep yeah. the machine moving? Right. You know? I mean, so i'm trying to figure some of that out you know so hopefully maybe and something tells me so a lot of people that listen to this podcast are in that place too and i mean 
how would how would you speak into some of that or, or what's been your experience with some of that with some of these people um, who are spiritual nomads yeah so we've struggled with the same thing as finding community um we recently were able to connect with a group of friends and just start kind of a like a home hangout fellowship community time so it took us a long time though to find people that were in the same boat as us I guess because I mean where do you find them you don't where do you there's nowhere to go you can't you can go to the church but you're gonna get the church right. people so it was it's it's hard I mean it's hard to connect with people like in your area especially and how did you end up finding some of these people just mutual friends or I mean just hanging yeah, like, out or one couple lives in our city and they reached out to us on Facebook and one is I just was introduced to them. Um, yeah. And the other couple were introduced by a mutual friend. So, so when you guys gather together, like what, what does that look like? Um, basically it looks like having a meal, talking about Jesus, hanging out, you know, being real with each other and just, I mean, I don't want to say doing life cause it's so <laughs> used it. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's yeah. That's, that's like, I literally not even to cut you off. But I was, I went to a local coffee shop around here and I could just, you can see, I, I hate to, to pick on people, but I guess I'll just take your blog to heart right now. <laughs> you can point out the mega church staff person from a million miles away. And he yeah. was there with somebody and afterwards said, Hey, I'm, you know, in the area, you guys look like, you know, you're in the Jesus or whatever. And dude, it was literally that it was like, you could just so pinpoint these people and it, they're literally what the dude said is, yeah, man, we're just here doing life. Like, yeah. What, what does that mean? What does I that know, even exactly. mean? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's Not to, I guess, pick on that. Cause I find myself, yeah. it, it is true, but it's like, you know, it, it does. It's unfortunately, cool. some of those things get reduced in the process, you know, cause that it's true. We do life together. Like that's, that's what right. it is. I mean, it's, it's not bad or wrong. It's just been hijacked. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so definitely. We see, I think we see that in a lot of places. So, I mean, w w how do you see like in your community, one people finding some healing, but where do you see, so things have been hijacked. How are you beginning to see some of those things being reconciled um, in your your area? You know, I think it's been a slow process of healing from that to like the church way of life and do something new and the hurt that you experience from leaving that because it hurts when you leave something you've been part of for a while. Totally. But I mean, I just, it's, I don't have a good answer. I think that we, we're seeing like the beginning processes, process of people kind of finding healing right now. Um, even my husband and I were, I mean, I think we don't have, we're not like angry at the church, even though it sounds like I am when I write, but, um, <laughs> we're like, we're still kind of trying to figure it all out. Like, I don't know. That's just, I don't have the answer. Totally. And that's kind of where I'm at too. And I think that's really actually what we need in, yeah. you know, quote leadership in, circles from the Jesus tradition is people being able to say like, I don't know, I'm figuring it out, but I'm absolutely mm -hmm. hell bent on learning 
because I just saw a thing, uh, Simon Sinek, he's like a, you know, leadership guy, start with why I think he's awesome. And he just posted a thing about like any leader that is a self-proclaimed expert or guru, like run the other way. But any leader that is absolutely committed to continued learning and basically saying like, I'm going to be the lead learner here. That's the person that you need. So they don't have all the answers, but you know they're committed to learning about it. You know what I mean? Uh, that's awesome. I love that. I think that that's, you know, the posture we all need to take. It would be amazing if more people would just put, be a learner, not try to be a leader, but be a learner. Yes. And the only thing that's leading about it is we're willing to speak up first. We're willing to dive into those things first because leadership is really just people that are courageous. I mean, that's, they're just like everybody else. They're just willing to say the first thing or do the first thing. And immediately people are like, Oh, now I have the freedom to do that too. I've been feeling that the whole time, you know? Yeah. 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 People definitely, it helps to have permission or see somebody else do it first. It makes it a lot more comfortable or easier to kind of step into that place or step out of your comfort zone. And that's where I'm at with the church is just trying to figure out how can we be lead learners and figuring out what it is. Because when we moved out here, you know, I moved to Southern California from the Midwest and everybody's like, oh, they definitely need it and all this stuff. And, <laughs> you know, they people, they fill your mind with everything. And I didn't really buy it. But actually, I got out here and it was the opposite. Like, I'm like, dude, cultural Christianity is hot out here. Like it's, yeah. uh, there's so many, the mega church culture is huge. There are some other church plants. We moved out here and they're like promote promo videos. I'm like, ugh, like that's just the same thing perpetuated over and over. And you know, what I found is people are actually very spiritual and even open and like talking about Jesus. They're just not yeah. interested in funding like that company, you know? Yeah. 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 So like, I'm just trying to figure out like, what does it look like for people to come together without having to like, feel like a church is basically the same thing as saying launching a company, you know? Yeah. I think too, we overthink it. Like we just make it so much more complicated. Thank you all for tuning in for part one of this conversation with Sherry. We will be posting part two next week. So go ahead and subscribe. Maybe leave us a little bit of feedback. It'd be much appreciated. And also, once again, we are on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Spiritual Nomad Podcast, and on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritual nomad. Looking forward to it. Have a great week.